On today's episode of Location Cubed, Howard calls fake news on a recent article about return to office and tells us why he was correct about the resiliency of the office market. You are listening to Location Cubed. Okay, Howard, um, talk about the fake news that you think is out there on return to office. A recent article... Well, talk about the article. Yeah, well, Tell us what and, and I'll say fake news is probably a little bit strong of a, of a term. Well, you disagree. But, so but there, there was an article that came out recently about the fact that there might be up to $500 billion, if not more, of erosion in office value based on work from home, low percentages of people coming in, um, and so forth. Future erosion of value. So Future erosion okay, of value. value yet to be lost. Correct. Okay. Correct. And... Just personally, as we've been discussing since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I, for one, am not one who believes in the fact that work from home is going to stay in its current expanded format. Mm -hmm. I'm also a big believer in business creation and the ultimate need for space. I'm also understanding the need for more space per person in any given spot. And so, therefore, I think the... um, as they say, my death has been greatly exaggerated. I think that that's probably a little bit extreme in terms of those expectations. But we can talk about it in a little bit more detail. Right, but I think I agree with you to a certain extent. You know, the work from home thing during the pandemic, it caught on. People enjoyed, you know, kind of that nuance of, you know, I'm going to get up, I'm going to commute five minutes to my desk. You know, I can stay in my shorts and my T-shirt, be on my Zoom calls, have lunch with, you know, the family, go right back to it and then, you know, have my day done at five o'clock. There, there was a certain nuance to that. Um, I think over time what happened, though, is when folks did start to come into the office, they remembered how much fun it was to be interacting with their colleagues. I think we certainly have seen that in our practice, and, we, you know, we hear that anecdotally from others. But let me throw a curveball at you now. Let's take pandemic out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the price of commuting, which is now perhaps double what it was at the same time last year. How do you think that plays in, not to companies' intent to have employees return to the office, but employees themselves saying, well, you know, my employer's offering me two to three days at home, and I can have a flexible schedule. I'm going to take advantage of that strictly because it saves me money. I don't know about that too much because I think when you think about who works from home, who has to go into work every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, the people that work for home are more knowledge workers, um, professional workers, people who are generally in a higher income band. Mm-hmm. I think people who are generally need to be in the office all the time are generally going to be your lower paid service workers, mm-hmm. um, people who need to be interacting with customers, uh, et cetera. And so they're not going to necessarily have that flexibility. I think the people who are working from home are probably in a spot where, mind you, the higher gas prices and stuff hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of an issue mm-hmm. on their decision-making, cap- their decision-making. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it is the knowledge-based workers, what, what I would call the fee merchants that, mm-hmm. that can work from home. It's easy in our context to work from home. Um, if you're a laborer, you know, a carpenter, somebody who's working in a manufacturing capacity, you can't throw your tools on your bike or work on, you know, work in assembling that product from home. And I think that's something that's lost. At the same time, the folks who are working in an office supporting those folks often can't work from home because their office is within that job site, within that manufacturing facility, and they're charged with overseeing that general production. They can't just simply monitor that from home. So I I think there is a lot of credibility to that. I think it'll depend on the type of workforce involved. What other pressures do you think will be on 
you know, I shouldn't say pressures, that's the wrong term. What other motivating factors do you think are bringing some of the folks back into the office who might have been working from home, though? I, again, you mentioned the fact that it's really fun being in the office. Um, and again, I'm going to preface this with, you know, a lot of my own experience being a CPA and having that kind of personality where I like being around people. Um, I recognize not everybody's the same way. And you recognize so every CPA has a personality? Mm, most, no comments. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the fact is, is there's always going to be some people who don't want to have anything to do with other people and who are super comfortable working at home, and that's, that's fine. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. Right. Um, but especially when you're younger and you're starting out, and I, again, I think about our job, think about how difficult would it have been to start out and work remotely. Impossible. Yeah, In an apprenticeship-type job like ours, even though we're knowledge-based business, it's darn near impossible. Yeah. I mean, I am so proud of our A1s, A2s, the people who started working at our firm at the beginning of the pandemic and had to deal with starting the job remotely. What they've been able to accomplish and the great work that they've done says a lot for their character, says a lot for their knowledge, says a lot for their determination to work through not being able to be next to someone and still be successful. Um, so I think that's going to, to be part of it. It's part of your, you know, just the, the learning the work, but then also the relationships that you build mm -hmm. when you're working in the office. Um, when you're working from home, like you said, you have lunch with the family. Yeah. When you're working in the office, you have lunch with your coworkers or lunch with a client or lunch with a prospect. So your network builds more by doing that in addition to just the, you know, what are you accomplishing by being in the office? And then we always talk about the fact that, you know, you're in the office and someone has a phone call with a client or a prospect talking about a tax issue. You know, you might bring right. someone who's sitting outside and say, hey, come join me for this, where they wouldn't have that opportunity right. if they were working at home. Yeah, I, and I think sometimes, you know, too, they say too much togetherness sometimes is not necessarily the best thing for a relationship. You need that separation. You need separation from your work family, and sometimes you need separation from your family family. Oh, yeah. And that eight hours <laughs> spent with one and the eight hours spent with the other can sometimes be very therapeutic, right? Very good point. So that's that's part of the issue. I think, um, yes, work from home is here to stay. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Or I should say the hybrid working is here to stay. I, for one, generally work at home about one day a week, and I really like that. It's nice to have the one day where I don't have to worry about, you know, the commute. I don't have to worry about getting dressed up. I can, you know, get to the desk, and I can get things done relatively quickly and more efficiently and be done at a reasonable hour, which is why I usually do it on a Friday. Right, right. Um, but I also read a study over the weekend that came back that said people who work from home generally work more than people who work in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and again, part of it is the psychological factors are going to catch up to people because a lot of times the commute in gets you ready for work. Right. The commute, uh, the commute home gets you decompressing from work. Yep. If you have that one-minute commute or that non-commute, your work life and your family life start to get a little yeah. bit too close, and then you feel like I'm never away from work. I mean, right. we're, we're already overly connected by having everything we need sitting in our pocket on our phone. Right. Um, but, you know, but by losing that physical disconnect, I think that's going to make it harder for people to have, you know, to, to be able to get away, to be able to have some more balance. And, you know, we know that there's so many mental health issues that this just – it's, I don't think it's sustainable to be a full-time remote worker if you have a job where you're not, where you can't just put it away. You yeah, know? I, I totally agree because, you know, part of my daily routine is the commute to work, 
right? And and that half hour, even 45 minutes, that's my time. That seems you know, like it stresses you out, though. I've been on the phone with you when you've been driving sometimes. Well, that's because driving in generally stresses <laughs> me out because everybody is generally driving slower than I am, exhibit A. I mean, that's why you and I don't drive <laughs> hey, together. Hey. That's why we don't drive to the studio together that mile because I, you know, I drive a little bit, what would you say, aggressively? Aggressively and is you drive like you're constantly looking for an address. So we just <laughs> have, two into, we have two entirely different styles. Let's come back to the introduction, fake news. You thought the article was a little bogus. What's your rationale? Well, the other thing that we've been talking about since the very beginning is business formation. Um, There's been so many people who have started their own businesses. There's so many new companies that have been formed. There's going to be a lot of these companies are going to be successful. And when they're successful, they're going to continue to grow and they're going to continue to need space. And so, mind you, you know, maybe a big company, let's say like a Goldman Sachs, for example, that maybe is developing some type of a hybrid arrangement where they have 50,000 employees or, you know, maybe 100,000 employees. Yeah getting one day a week at home might have an impact on their space. They might not Mm -hmm. need as much of the millions of square feet of space as they have. But a lot of the little companies, they're going to rent 5,000 square feet, 8,000 square feet, something like that. And you add up, you know, a million companies, okay? And that's, let me do the math, five to eight billion square feet of real estate. And so is it too much to say that there's an opportunity for real estate to, you know, to grow by virtue of all these smaller companies that are going to to be successful and need space. And where that'll also be very interesting is a lot of what I hear is that class A space, class double A space, will continue to do well at the expense of B and C, okay? There's probably a lot of truth to that because quality always drives, you know, quality, and people will go to be in a, in a nicer spot if they can. But... If you're a startup company and you want to rent 5,000 square feet, 8,000 square feet, you know, you might be able to rent, you know, 3,000 square feet in a double A building and 8,000 square feet in a B minus building. And so at some point in a company's life cycle, the cost is more important than the space and what it provides for, you know, prestige, what it provides for the employees. So I think there's still going to be a positive news for B and C properties. Um, But again, over time, as those companies mature and grow and they need to be more focused on, you know, their employees, prestige, et cetera, they will move up to to A space. Um, But ultimately, I think that's way down there in the future. Okay. To throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in your theory and prove that this is an unrehearsed program, I want to throw one thing at you. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Okay, mm-hmm. costs of capital and borrowing are going up. Mm-hmm. New businesses, which traditionally rely on borrowings, are going to face increased costs. So perhaps there is not one of two things. One, not as many new businesses created. Or two, we have to look for ways to offset some of those higher costs. And one of those ways to offset higher costs could be, if it's possible, have a portion of my workforce remain at home during startup. Okay, So perhaps the article is right but for all the wrong reasons. It's not because work from home is here to stay because people like it and it got used to it during the pandemic, but it may become a factor of necessity given the current economic client. That's a really good point. Um, And I think you bring up some valid concepts there in terms of the cost of capital and wanting to save space. I think the real big question here is ultimately timeframe Mm -hmm. because 
you're right. Inflation is at a very high rate. Uh, the Fed's going to potentially raise interest rates, you know, at the next few meetings more than anybody's been expecting, um, which we'll get into that in maybe a different podcast. You almost, made, you of, almost made a prediction there. I thought I, you were going somewhere. No, no, no. Okay. So we'll, we'll get that into that in, a, in another podcast. But if the Fed does it right, which they keep signaling they're going to do it right, obviously, this isn't a super long-term thing. We're looking at maybe higher inflation and stuff over the next few years, at which point things will start to get back to normal, okay? My thoughts in terms of the business formation is not a short-term thing. It's a medium to long-term thing. And so I think that by the time a startup company that's two years old today or one year old today is in the need for 8,000 square feet of space, we're probably more than two or three years down the road, in which case by then hopefully inflation will be back to normal interest rates will be back to normal keep in mind we're still not at normal yet when you think in historical standards um but i think that it's it's a matter of timing as to when things will taper off from the inflation versus when they'll need be this need that's about all the time we have for today you've been listening to location cubed tune in next week when we're going to talk about the hospitality industry and what remains <laughs>